Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Welcome to Genre Junkies. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. So this is kind of a a hard time of year for all of us Halloween freaks. It's getting so close to Halloween. And then it'll be over. And I know that it's like Halloween's not ever really over. If you love it, you live it 24-7, 365 days a year, as I do. But it's it's still always a little bit of the Halloween blues sets in. And we're getting to that point where everybody else is kind of forgetting about Halloween, and it hasn't even happened yet. The Christmas decorations are going up. Halloween's on 50% sale, which is nice. And anytime I see something that's Thanksgiving or Christmas in a store, I just want to kick it over. I just want to roundhouse kick it in the face. It's too early. Get back. And I don't even want to think about midterm election stuff until after Halloween. I'm like, let Halloween have its time. But... We have a special Halloween episode to continue on with our special Halloween month. Today, we're talking about another horror novel. This one is Campfire by Sean Sarles. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Maddie Davenport is on a wilderness camping trip with her family and friends. They start telling scary stories around the campfire at night under a full moon. And these scary stories, well, they start coming true. Maddie's no stranger to tragedy, but can she survive this hellish vacation? This is another book that Sandra picked out, and I did not read the back of it. I just went, okay, we're, we're reading this. And it is so, that, that description is so apt for the main hook of this book. And it's, it's really a fun concept. Yeah, and uh, that was written by me, by the way. That's not the actual back of the book. Um, took a little license, as I like to do. Yeah, Scott sometimes likes the ignorance is bliss approach to books, where, like most of the time, we pick the books together, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a process. But sometimes he just wants me to, like, put one on the list and, like, not tell him about it and just dive into it, which is, like, not how I roll at all. Especially horror. I like to be surprised. I like to be... I like it to be unexpected. So I guess let me start by saying my experience score for this book. Um, This was a page turner for me. I had such a fun time reading this book. Fun. Like, I can't emphasize that enough and, like, underline it. Uh, This was R.L. Stein's Fear Street vibes. This was Nickelodeon Are You Afraid of the Dark nostalgia vibes. And it was like a friendly hug from my youth. Um, A little disturbing, a little bloody, but fast-paced, and and just a tasty little Halloween treat. Like, I can't really really sum it up any better than that. Like, if you are of our age and you were raised on Goosebumps and Arl Stein and so many other teen screams and the TV shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark? This is very much in that world. And it was just, uh, it was just like a friendly hug to revisit. I didn't make that connection, but you're absolutely right. This is very Are You Afraid of the Dark style. And Fear Street. Very Fear Street. Yeah. I, I didn't read a lot of Fear Street as a child like you did. Oh my god, you you had a horrible childhood then. Well, I, I didn't do a whole lot of horror. I mean, <laughs> but no, it is, this was like those scary, those scary stories that are told around a campfire, appropriately enough. Um, I, I'm calling this a good read for me. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the pacing of the book. I'm glad that you mentioned that as it's well. It's fast. Yeah. It, it's a really well paced book. It doesn't really, it doesn't have any lulls. It doesn't go too quickly, though. It really does 
let it sit and marinate in the horror moments yeah, of the there, book. Yeah, there's some build in there. And it there's a lot of characters, interesting characters in this book, and it does mm. a really great job of introducing them and, and letting you get to know kind of who they are and what their traits are. And it's a really solid concept. I was I was guessing the whole way through, and it was really fun to do that in this book. Right, like what's going on? What's happening? How's this going to end? And it was hard for me to score this because I would say 90% of this book I actually listened to on audiobook, which was a really great experience. It was uh, a good narrator? It really was. Uh, I looked up to see if she'd narrated anything else. This appears to be her first uh, book. Uh, she's really good. It's narrated by a woman uh, named Charlotte Blacklock, and she definitely has a theater background, you can tell. She's she's really good at telling the story of the main female character, Maddie, and, and does a lot to just kind of bring the world together without putting too much of her own characterization into it. I don't know. It was just, it was really good. So before we talk a little bit about those characters, um, let's talk a little bit about Sean Sarles as a writer. This is his debut novel. Um, it shows, but not so much that it's annoying. Um, his writing is good. I think he is a good writer. I did get some of that. I, I don't know. It's just when you read a lot, you can pick up on people's like first novels, you know, and I was getting some of that. But I mean, it's not a deterrent. And sometimes you invest in people with these first novels and then you're like, oh, yeah, Sean Sarles, I like his writing. And then you eventually read more and you see how they grow as a writer. I've done that with all my favorite writers. So this was definitely um, this was a good experience for a debut book, I would say. I like that he conveyed these teens as very realistic. Uh, they're, you know, they've got flaws, they've got history, they break some rules, they do some bad stuff, and that's very realistic to teenagers. But without, like, going too far where you're like, should I be worried about these kids? Or, you know, like, but they're, they're just being young. They're just being youth. They're like 17 in this book, 16 or 17. The only thing that really grabbed me as being a first a first novel uh, sort of thing. <laughs> I don't want to call it an issue because yeah. I actually, trope? I actually liked it, it a, a lot, but uh, the, the friendship between Chelsea and Maddie is explained to have happened very quickly. And at first feels a little unnatural, but even more so now that you mention that it's very much like a, a fear street or an, are you afraid of the dark? I kind of found myself really liking that very quickly in the book of just being like, Hey, this is something that happened. It was just kind of meant to be. And it was just, it was just this strong bond that was created immediately out of loss. Well, and um, yeah, we don't want to talk too much about that because I don't want to give it away. But that was actually, I think, one of his strongest character things, uh, interestingly enough, is the relationship between those two girls, between Chelsea and Maddie. Because um, we know that like when they were 11, uh, Chelsea was a mean girl and she was not nice to Maddie at all. And then something happens that binds them. And then it's like five years later, we see their relationship and, and how it's taken off. And I really liked it. I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was really supportive. They're incredibly supportive of each other, which I found so cool. You know, no hate or jealousy between the two of them. Uh, Chelsea, I liked because she's she's kind of bitchy. <laughs> like She still has a little bit of that mean girl in her. Yeah, but like she's trying to be better. And Maddie obviously like brings out the, the better part of her. Speaking of Maddie, I liked her. I thought she was a good heroine. Uh, can I just say thank you, thank you, Sean Sarles, for giving Maddie 
an awesome hobby, which is that she's a runner. Like so much in books, especially like where the characters are younger, like YA books, they like never have interesting hobbies. They like all have like the same freaking hobby or they have no hobbies. And it's like, how do you fill your time? How do you fill your freaking days? But she's a runner. And obviously that touches my heart because I'm a runner. And she talks about what running means to her and how she's used running in her life. And it's just really refreshing. I myself am not a runner, but hearing you talk about running and Jen talk about running, even Sarah Henning, when we had her on earlier, talk about what running mm. means to you. It, this really felt to me very genuine and very real. Yeah. And, it, and it, it is an important character trait, not just a hobby to to the character. Yes, it is. For all of us who run, it is a character trait. Like, <laughs> it's true, though. I don't mean to sound totally full of myself, just like a little bit full of myself. But it is a character trait like some and there's a lot of hobbies that are like that, that are like it becomes like a huge part of your identity. And I was just it was nice to have this character have that. She's gone through something hard and she's developing into a strong, capable adult, uh, which is very nice always to read that, you know, she's no shrinking violet or anything like that. Like she's she's afraid at times, but you can see that she's becoming a strong, grown person. There were parts that I felt that she was edging a little bit too much towards the weak side. Of course. But he never really, he never falls into that trope with her. Well, and I mean, to be fair, they're going through something like really scary. Exactly. She's <laughs> reacting the same way. Actually, she's reacting better than I would react right? in what, what was going on. And so, yes, she's scared, but she's still strong. I, I really appreciate that he didn't sink too much onto the shrinking violet trope then suddenly becomes a badass. No, exactly. I think um think she handles things pretty realistically. Uh kind of speaking of characters, I don't want to divulge into every single one, but there's a a coterie of adults, if you will, in this book. And I thought they were an interesting mishmash of personalities. They are given pasts and they're given backstories, which gives them more dimensions than um adults have previously had and a lot of teen scream novels and movies and tv shows and um that's very interesting to me i always like it we've mentioned this on other books before when the adults have a past and they are flawed and there's things that kind of come back to bite them or things they're still dealing with and again he comes very close to having them fall into different tropes and categories but skirts that edge beautifully where they really are unique characters in and of themselves. Uh, I could see different people that I've known through my life, particularly family members, in almost all of them. Yeah, it's very interesting. I liked, um, I liked his tactics that he involved the adult characters into this book with. So um, I'm sorry, but I must point out, I'm obsessed with this cover. This is probably one of my favorite book covers of the year. It's And I've got a used copy here, actually, um, which is crazy because the book didn't come out that long ago, but I was able to get a used copy of it. And the font is so throwback horror. And it's uh, it's red and it's black and white with like a girl's eyes and the fires reflected in her eyeball and even the spine and the back of it has like some bright yellow with the red writing and it just is so throwback horror. I, I love it. Love this cover. The front kind of has a Silence of the Lambs feel to it. It does a that, bit. That face with the eyes and everything. I, I really do like it. Yeah. Yeah. So good job, um, everybody at this publisher, uh, Little Brown, <laughs> for uh, doing like a totally, totally kick-ass cover. 
really, if you think about it, we bought this book three times. Uh, we bought it on Kindle. I, I used a credit on Audible. And I we also got the used copy. And I just have to say, I've said it before, but Audible and Kindle together work so incredibly well. I was able to listen to this book on my drive to work. And then when I got there, I got there early and I just immediately pulled up my Kindle app and I was right where I left off on Audible. It's a really cool feature they have going. So really use our discount code audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Get a free book, free 30 day trial. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Start reaping those benefits. I guess we should give our appeal score before we cut to the spoilers here. I'm very interested to know what you think, who you think this appeals to. Yeah, it's, um, sometimes it's tricky with appeal scores, as we've said before. Um, I kind of landed on a general appeal because it's for scary story lovers, for sure. Like, this is, I don't want to say it's like for the most hardcore horror fan, but it's also for people who, you know, they're kind of into it. That's why I kind of said scary stories lover. Like, I, I feel like that marks a really nice middle path between casual horror fan and horror fan. And especially as I mentioned earlier, it's really for people who want those nostalgia vibes, or maybe you want some young people in your life to start getting into the teen scream genre like you did. And you can kind of share that with the the young people in your life, or you can reminisce back on it and enjoy it for that. So it's not quite niche because that's two really separate groups right there. But so yeah, so I, I landed in general. I, I'm interested that you that you put it there because I, I do agree that this book very much is written as a love story to the scary story fans. But I think this has mass appeal. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I think it's an incredibly approachable story. I think that it has a really great mystery and a really great structure to it. And, and it's it's something that I can't think of anyone who loves to read and love stories wouldn't like about this. It, it's it's just a it's just a fabulously written book, and it's, it's very good for, to recommend to just about anybody. Well, there you have it, everyone. So I think we're going to take a tiny break and come back for spoilers. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Welcome back to the spoiler section. And I was waiting the whole time to say this. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. <laughs> I can't, I love it. I love those words, that phrase so much. It just makes me giddy with joy. This belongs in the Midnight Society. Oh, it's totally Midnight Society quality. And it's very, like I said, it's so Fear Street-ish because sometimes this would happen, this happened a lot in Fear Street books where something seems supernatural, but then it turns out to be people behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, and I have to say, okay, I called it. I you called did. the you ending did. of this book. I Cassandra had finished it before I did. And I called her. And I was like, okay, I want to put this on the record. My, this is my theory. I said, I want to put this on the record. I think it's Charlie and Tommy. I think it's like a scream sort of situation. I think that, that Tommy is alive and it's both of them doing it. And I was so right. Did you get it? Um, I mostly got it. I, um, I wasn't sure who was helping Charlie. I didn't want to believe it was Charlie because I really liked him. But, um, you know, that's sociopaths for you. Well, the moment for me was when Tommy's laying face down on the ground and Maddie 
is going to turn him over and Charlie says, no, 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 no. this is nothing you want to see. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. It's the two of you together. He's it, not really dead and you're in on it. And it makes some sense too because it's, um, Tommy mentions to Maddie that like, he and Charlie like have a relationship and they have this like bond and stuff. And it's like, well, that's weird. And then of course, you know, I, I guess I, I should have really known it was Tommy because of the way Maddie was very weary of him. She was like, something's off about this dude. And like the fact that he like beat the tar out of the coach's automobile and everything. It's like, mm, yeah, he's not really a good guy to like. And she kind of knows that, which was very self-aware, but she did kind of like him. Because again, you know, he's like cute and flirts with her and stuff. I don't know. It was very interesting. And in some respects, he is a, he ends up being kind of like her brother. You know, there's yeah. some, there's some internal demons. There's some anger issues, but they're nice people on the outside. But there's, there's this kind of undercurrent of rough waters. So that's where it kind of gets into all of the shady stuff in the adult's past, which is very interesting. They've got, we've got an affair going on. We've got some like problems with alcohol. We've got like, you know, this double dealing that ended up getting her mom killed, um, that they've never, you know, they never came forward with it. These money issues, all this stuff that it's like, oh, like this is really interesting all this stuff behind the scenes that leads to our, our dramatic conclusion well the whole family dynamic of the three different families was already kind of a little bit weird how they were describing that they every vacation they went on together every excursion they all they were always together it just felt like there there had to be some kind of well yeah because they don't seem to like each other so it's like so why are they so close yeah, there was, and it turns out because they were all in figurative, figuratively and literally in bed with each other. Yeah, you know, there's there's affairs going on. There's abuse. There is a t- well, um, uh, homicide, uh, manslaughter, manslaughter, something <laughs> like it's it's a very complicated web that ties them together. And it and it's it's introduced in a really good pace. Yeah, it's very gradual. I mean, you know there's something wrong, but then when she walks in on the two of them having sex in the woods, it's like, okay, there is a whole this is a whole waterfall of familiar issues that that's happening here that I know is just gonna start coming out. So one other thing I really wanted to talk about in the spoiler section are the stories themselves. So that was by far my favorite part is the three stories that they tell around the campfire. Um, in the book, you know, they're kind of each start out as their own chapter and like the font is different. So it really like kind of gets you in the like mood like, ooh, what are we doing? This is a little story, like very exciting, makes you geek out a little bit. So we had the bear, the dancing bear. We Wait. had the red raven. And we had the mountain people. I loved the bear story and it didn't go the direction that I was expecting it to go either. Like that whole story just built so well. And they're the three perfect archetypes of like urban legend campfire stories too. Absolutely. Uh, so when I was when I was listening to the bear story, I was expecting the missing girl to be the bear. I thought it was going to be some sort of supernatural transformation sort yeah. of thing. Uh, ter- in, in terms of the story, it actually ended up being much better as it being, no, it's just a man-eating bear. Human-eating bear. Human-person-eating eat- bear. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, I liked that for the same reasons, too. And it was, like, gory and it was, like, gross. Uh, same thing with the Red Raven, you know, uh, you know, a, a crazy person escape from the asylum type of story who is obsessed with his alter ego of the Red Raven and likes to just make these bloody crime scenes. That was nice and scary. Um, my favorite was the Mountain People. I liked the Mountain People, but I actually had a problem with the Mountain People story. Uh, that was the only story that, in the way that it was written, didn't feel like a campfire story exactly. Oh, but see, I know campfire stories that are like that, with like this mysterious tribe of people. Well, no, the the general plot of it absolutely was a campfire story. And they're defending nature. Yes. The problem that I had with it is there was a lot of different, there's a lot of description that Caleb was giving about the way that he felt about the people that he was taking around that I didn't feel like is something that he would actually say in the campfire story to the others. Oh, see, I did because because he was mad and he should be like they were behaving. Well, especially one of them was behaving freaking horribly and made him have to kill a deer for no good reason. So you found it believable that he would tell them he hates taking yuppies out into the woods? Yes, I would, because he was mad and they were all acting childish and drinking and uh, being fools. Fools, I say. Okay, I, I can buy it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I had the problem with the story. I thought the story itself was probably the strongest of the Well, three. and it also sets Caleb up as a red herring, too. Oh, absolutely. It, it gave him motive. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I loved that. And plus, I just love anything where it's either nature reclaiming nature or weird fringe people reclaiming nature. That's like something that touches my heart a lot. Um, so I, I was super into the mountain people and I love that they curve antlers on their victims' foreheads. It's just nasty. Oh, and that like, uh, what's her name? Chris? Is it Chris? Is the lady that really like loses her shit? and like tortures caleb yes that was like whoa you can tell she was the that was the moment when you realize that she was the real mastermind of all of the evil stuff that kind of happened in this group yeah because she, she wanted somebody to like blame yeah she's she's nuts and she's not a good person at all there's no. there's there's not really a good side to her at all and when she's torturing Caleb, that was a really uncomfortable scene. It was. It was like, oh, my God, can somebody do something? But they couldn't. It was so like, oh, it was awkward as hell in a, in a good way. Um, and he ends up surviving. He's a final boy with our two final girls. I'm so happy that he did not kill off Maddie, Chelsea, or Caleb. Me too. I would have been pissed. They were the three that needed to survive. I would have been okay if Abigail survived as well. Yeah. After their kind of connection, I was kind of hoping that might happen, but I realized that he created that connection at the end so that her death would mean something. Right. Because otherwise you'd kind of be celebrating it. <laughs> Which would be kind of weird. But I know I just um, I loved uh, Maddie and Chelsea's bond so much and they take care of each other so well. And they're like, we're survivors, we're fighters and we're going to get through this. So it was like I really didn't want either of them to um, to die up there. And same thing with Caleb, because he played a very interesting role where he's kind of a, a protector figure. And then he's the one that ends up needing them, especially Maddie, Mustang Maddie, which I thought was really cool. And that's where she, um, you know, she kind of has a lot of growth is that she 
she does something super brave and she's the protector now. And um, that was really cool, really, really cool, well-written stuff. And that Caleb acknowledged that as a, you know, as a young man older than her. But he was like, this little girl, like, saved my life. There's a really strong attention to detail in so many parts of the book. And one of those things is very much in the growth of relationship between the characters. It's all very believable and it's very well structured on every single character in believing in, in how their friendships or relationships build. And I was really glad that Caleb never perved out on the girls. It's not even clear at the end if the two of them have a romantic relationship. They just have a bond because they survived through this. Right, because he, like, you know, straight up, like, lets her down. Like, um, you're like a kid and I'm like an adult. Yeah, but, I mean... He's still cool to her the rest of the time. Well, he doesn't of course, yeah, you can be cool. Her. Yeah, they're still they're still kind of friendly and everything. It's just we're gonna take out that the actual sexual tension and just make it a puppy crush sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Which was very appropriate. <laughs> Not like I really expected anything different, but it's like thank God you, you didn't make it weird. So something else I wanted to talk about as far as the attention to detail, and this is a, a little thing, but in the final scene when he has the handgun, I immediately thought to, in my head, okay, this is probably a revolver. And I, I just want to say there were six bullets. He fired six shots because I was counting as it went. I'm like, I wonder if he's going to mess this one up. And no, he had fired five and he's like, I've got one bullet left. And it's things like that you don't normally see in a book with that. With You don't see that level of attention when it comes to the, the reality of it. And I, I don't know why that stuck with me so much, <laughs> but it really colored the rest of the, 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 the previous events of the book as well. Just realizing this is he really thought this out. I, I think that's very sweet. I think that that's a credit to his writing because I would not have noticed that because I don't know really that much about guns or anything. But yes, hey, good for you, Sean Sarles. Like you, you knew what you were doing there. It's not something I even normally think about. I think the fact, I think how special and structured this book was is what made me kind of notice that and kind of start counting in my head because it's not something I normally do, but it is something for some reason it just caught me in this. And then I, I, I just caught that. Oh my goodness. He got it right. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So let's talk about our execution score. So I'm going to give this book eight campfire tales out of 10. Um, definitely always room for bigger and better things to happen. I know I'm sure he was really constrained to these pages and everything. I, I could have used even more of this book. It left me happy, but it left me wanting more, which I think is a very good place to be, especially for a debut standalone novel. So happily, eight campfire tales. The only thing that catches me when trying to think of the execution of this book is the fact that I did figure out the ending before it happened, which I never do. That never happens. I, it never happens. And it worries me. But I think I just have watched Scream a few too many times <laughs> with Sandra to just kind of see those similarities that I think that's that's really the reason why I got it. So I'm not I can't count that against it, really. No. And there's really nothing else that I really wanted from this book. I, I'm going to give it 10 Campfire Tales out of 10. Oh, my goodness. I, I think that's wonderful. I thought it was executed perfectly. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think that is a wonderful endorsement. Okay, everyone, we wish you the happiest, 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 happiest of Halloweens. Please remember to keep the Halloween spirit alive all the days of the year. Watch horror, read horror, listen to ghost stories, be friendly to bats and ghosts. 
All right, everybody, please keep reading past your bedtime. 